Welcome to Dates with Death, the Paris Institute for Critical Thinking's podcast series dedicated to death and all that comes with it. For a long time, the topic of death has been considered as taboo in the West, even almost completely banished from our lives. This has come at a price, so we take it upon ourselves to reinaugurate the quintessential philosophical task, at least according to Cicero, namely to meditate upon death. Now, in today's date, it is my great pleasure to be accompanied by Jan A. Sigvartsen, who is adjunct professor in Old Testament studies at Andrews University in Michigan. Hello, Jan, and welcome. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's my great pleasure, Jan. Now, as has become the habit here at Dates with Death, I would like to start by asking you the basic question of why death? Why, when, and how did you become interested in this particular object of death, and particularly death and the afterlife of the apocryphic, apocalyptic, and pseudo-epigraphic literature, which is obviously the topic of today? Yes, this is a very good question, and, and I think death is something that everyone um, faces at one point in, in life, either uh, when they get old or they have relatives that are dying, and for me, uh, my mother died in a car accident when I was nine years old. Uh, and so uh, in, my, in my faith, we had a strong resurrection hope. And so uh, this was something that gave me great comfort. But later on, when I uh, did my academic studies uh, in Old Testament, uh, I kind of noticed that you don't really have that much in the Old Testament about what happened to you personally uh, after you die. Uh, while in New Testament, uh, of course, uh, the resurrection belief is it's a core belief mm -hmm. uh, and the foundation of, of the Christian church. Uh, and you also have the, the same in, in Judaism, that it becomes a core belief uh, during uh, rabbinic Judaism. Uh, and so this, this was kind of the question that um, bothered my mind a bit and, and the reason for why uh, I went into the study that I did. Uh, it was to try to find out what happened between uh, the, these Old Testament books and mm -hmm. and what we see in the New Testament in and in the rabbinic literature, mm -hmm. uh, and also want to see how they kind of um, supported uh, this resurrection belief. And mm -hmm. so this is kind of uh, why uh, I picked the apocrypha, the pseudepigrapha. Uh, I had intention of doing much more than that, but it's I, I noticed there was a lot of of material there, and so I had to kind of limit it mm -hmm. uh, a bit. So, uh, so this is why I ended up with the Apocrypha to the Pergapha. Okay. Now, for the for the people not familiar with the these textual traditions we are dealing with today, uh, could you maybe tell us a bit more about the apocryphic, the apocalyptic, and the uh, what is called the pseudo-epigraphic literature? What are these texts exactly? Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> These are uh, books that uh, are, I mean, when I'm referring to the Apocrypha to the Pergrapha, uh, these are books that um, are closely related to the canon. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are cano canonical terminology, so to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and But they are not uh, part I, of the canon. Well, uh, it's, it's a not bit all. more complicated <laughs> than this because uh, most uh, church members, you know, uh, have their Bible, and they don't really think about that uh, their Bible might be different than mm -hmm. someone else's Bible. Mm 
True. Uh, and being from um, the Protestant uh, persuasion, uh, our Bible is the, the, the smallest, so to say. Mm. So um, the books that are like in the Catholic Bible or an Orthodox Bible, but not in the Protestant Bible, uh, are by Protestant referred to as the Apocrypha. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the, in, for the Catholics, it's the Dr. Canonical books. Yes. yes. It's still a part of the, of the canon. Mm. Uh, the uh the, the literature itself is not that different from the, uh, the books in the Apocrypha. Uh, but uh, most uh, faith communities have not included those books in their uh, Bible. With mm -hmm. the only exception of the Ethiopians, uh, the Ethiopians also had First Enoch and the Book of mm -hmm. Jubilee. Mm -hmm. So I had a student last uh, academic year that uh, was from Ethiopia, and and we uh, studied uh, the Apocrypha together, and and also the Apocrypha. Mm -hmm. And it's quite interesting when that's a part of of his uh, faith uh, tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not just uh, um, books that don't belong in in the canon, but these are books that are a part of, of his canon. Mm. And uh, the same obviously also goes for the apocalyptic. Yes, yeah, so the apocalyptic books, uh, again, we, we, the most uh, listeners are probably familiar with Daniel and Revelation, it would be apocalyptic books. Mm -hmm. uh, but they might not realize that uh, you have a, a whole range of books uh, from the Second Temple period that are apocalyptic, that talk about um, uh, outer-worldly uh, things, uh, mm -hmm. journeys to the heavenly uh, realm, for instance, and, and how things fit together, but also uh, apocalyptic in a sense that uh, it moves uh, linearly towards an end. Mm -hmm. and the eschatological end mm -hmm. uh, where you would have a lot of upheaval and and included in that you have uh, the resurrection uh, hope that would mm -hmm. happen at the end of, of time at least in some of the texts mm -hmm. is is there are, are these texts all from uh, randomly the same time and could you be uh, could you maybe indicate the, the, this time yes right? so uh, most of the up, uh, well, when we talk about apocalyptic books, uh, it would be like Enoch, uh, uh, Sibylian oracles, and, and all of that. And this uh, were written over a longer time period. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it started out um, in the uh, Persian Greek um, uh, time period. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it's during the Second Temple period. And this is the period when uh, most uh, critical scholars review the book of Daniel uh, that were written as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, there was an interest in what would happen in the future, uh, mm -hmm. not just with the people of Israel, but in, in general. So it's more of a universal uh, history that they, they, they are looking at and okay. the role of, of Israel in this. Mm. Now, you deal with these varied literatures as if they can be somehow cited together. And, and, and I think you're absolutely right, not just uh, because of the time frame, but also for their content. Uh, I have always seen these texts as the very diverse and at times confused and confounding material out of which the two brothers or the two sisters of rabbinic Judaism and Christianity will eventually come forth. So this literature, in a certain sense, uh, stands between uh, two orthodoxies, that of the Old Testament and that of the New Testament. Can you say something more about this, please? Yeah, again, this is, uh, it comes back to the canon, you know. Mm -hmm. 
today we we kind of assume that uh, the Bible uh, was always like this, <laughs> you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, but um, in in September period time or in Old Testament time, uh, we did not have books, uh, mm. codex, but but we had scrolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have more of a fluidity when it comes to what uh, uh, scrolls were viewed as, um, in, I shouldn't say inspired, but uh, that had authority uh, for the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't really have to uh, make a strict decision. Uh, you can kind of keep the scrolls uh, together uh, in your library. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when you get into New Testament era, that's when we started to uh, have a codex or a book form, so it's changed in technology, so to say, uh, and it become, became more convenient to read when you have a book. But, but if you have a book, then you had to decide what goes into the book mm. uh, and, and the order of, of, of how you order these books uh, or the literature. And so this is where we see the canon being more solidified. Mm. So you actually have to make a decision what should be kept outside, what should be included. Uh, and so uh, when you look at the literature um, uh, with the Apocrypha Pseudepigrapha, these are the, uh, or especially with the Pseudepigrapha, these were the books that were excluded by most uh, faith communities as authoritative mm-hmm. or, or, or good for doctrines or, or for teaching. Uh, while the, the, the books that belongs to the Apocrypha uh, were accepted by uh, the, the, the Christian church, but uh, during the Protestant um, Reformation, uh, these books were, were questioned and, and they were not viewed as um, uh, reliably uh, historic or like historically reliable or, or they had some uh, theological issues that they were uncomfortable with. Hmm. Uh, and, and this was uh, something that um, um, Luther uh, was arguing for, but he still viewed value in them. Uh, and so they, they were still in, kind of included in appendix, um, but over time uh, the appendix were removed and, and it was kind of lost to the Protestant um, uh, churches. Okay. Or not, not, not considered by the Protestant churches. But, okay. but still, they gave an important insight, of course, in what was happening in the Second Temple period, in the period when um, the, the Bible uh, came to be, uh, when, mm-hmm. uh, when the canonization process um, uh, started. Mm. Yes, sir. We, we we will come we will come back to to the importance of 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 of, of this in, in in a following question. Mm-hmm. Now. In in my previous uh, date with death, I, I discussed ancient Judaism, and although we discovered that there certainly was interested in death and the afterlife in this ancient tradition, uh, and a lot more than generally is admitted, there is quite the difference with the interest in the afterlife that we find in this literature. It's, it's almost overwhelming, and, and what is more interesting, it is extremely varied. Now, in, in, in the two books that you wrote on, on these topics, uh, you found 18 different understandings and above all, 18 different organizations of the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you say a bit more about this difference uh, with the Jewish, with first with the, the past of the ancient Jewish tradition, and then also maybe something about these various views of the beyond? Yeah, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's a it's a very complicated question, so to say, um, because what uh, when it comes to the Old Testament or the books that became a part of the Old Testament, 
uh, it's only uh, in the book of Daniel uh, that you have a clear uh, resurrection, a personal resurrection hope. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, the, uh, it's not clear if this is a universal uh, resurrection hope or if it's more limited. And in Daniel, it seems that it's more limited, that uh, it only refers to some righteous and some wicked, not everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that doesn't mean that, as you, as you said, that uh, there are no interest in the afterlife or, the, or, or um, what happens when people die. I mean, they were important that they had proper burial uh, mm -hmm. and, and you have emphasis on a good death, that you mm -hmm. uh, live a long life and you, you can see your uh, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you know, that uh, are around you when you die uh, and that you have a good name that is remembered. Uh, but uh, the Old Testament doesn't go much beyond that. Mm. Uh, uh, but instead, the, the focus is on the covenant community, uh, mm. that uh, the people as a whole is in, in proper relationship uh, with God. Mm. And uh, when you do have resurrection um, mentioned, uh, especially among the prophets, it's often in the context of a national uh, resurrection, that it's um, that, that the people will, uh, or the nation will die, so to say, they will go into exile, uh, but uh, at one point, uh, God will bring them back and reestablish mm. them in their home uh, land. And, and in that sense, you have a national resurrection. And the, and the best example of this is, of course, in, in Ezekiel uh, 37, where you have the value of the bones and, and, mm. and the bones comes together. Mm. Uh, and, and the nation uh, uh, emerges again. Mm. Uh, and so... Uh, but uh, so the idea was in, in, in Old Testament that uh, it's, it's more you're part of a community and the community is living on. Mm. Uh, but what we see in the Second Imperial literature is uh, an, an, an interest in what happened to the individual, uh, mm. a personal resurrection as opposed to a national resurrection. Mm. And again, the, 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 the question is, how did this happen, <laughs> you know? Mm. Uh, and, and scholars, uh, of course, argue that it could be the influence uh, that they experienced when they were in exile, that they were exposed to uh, other religious beliefs, uh, like from uh, Persia and, and from the uh, Greek uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, and you should not dis disregard that, of course, uh, because when you are living outside your your homeland uh, you are exposed to this and of course these are these is something raises questions for you and you need to find an answer to them from your own uh, religious texts mm. uh, a satisfying answer uh, but again uh, it, it, it kind of assumes that they had not been exposed to this at these before mm. Uh, but we know that in Egypt, uh, you had uh, almost an obsession about uh, the afterlife mm. uh, with, with great uh, architectural uh, uh, buildings, you know, uh, that are focusing or, or looking to the, to the afterlife of the, of the individual. Mm. And you have a, a lot of text and, and all that, but you don't see this um, to that extent in, in the Old Testament. If I may just quickly interrupt, maybe before we go to, to the ancient cultures, because mm -hmm. obviously uh, there's a, a question coming about that, yes. uh, maybe yeah. first an, 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 a question that 
is 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 uh, is previous to that that, mm -hmm. that we need to that we need to ask before we can uh, enter into the field with the relationships with, with the others. So you already mentioned that the the, the Jewish people were in exile. Yes, but the, these texts that we are dealing with now, they were written uh, when they came back from exile. Yes. So, and yes. in a certain sense, uh, are these? Te can one say? Let, let me say it provocatively. Can one say that that Judaism was a bit lost, and and it kind of found itself back in 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 the home territory, but that it it most of, most of all found itself in in the afterlife, in the beyond, and and that a a, a form of finding itself. Uh, even more than returning to the homeland, was finding itself or finding its place in the beyond. Is, 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 do you think that's an option or is that seeing too much in it? Oh, I, I think uh, you're, you, you're mentioning something important here. Um, in, in, in the Old Testament uh, time, you, you, you have the, the focus on the covenant mm -hmm. uh, and you have the covenant blessings and curses. And if you uh, are loyal or, or adhering to the covenant that you have with God, then you will be rewarded for it. Uh, but if you don't, then you will suffer the consequences. Mm. And of course, the prophets were all pointing out uh, or, or re reminding them about this covenant and, and, and the consequences if they were not loyal. And, and it's, um, the exile is kind of presented as the, the consequences of the lack of... of um, covenant faithfulness mm -hmm, exactly. uh, and so uh, so when they return from the exile of course uh, it becomes important that uh, this is not repeated mm. uh, it's, it's a covenant renewal uh, and you had to be loyal to uh, to the covenant but still uh, things did not go back to how it was before the exile it was mm. still living under occupation mm. uh, they still had to deal with um, uh, the foreigners, uh, the people that did not adhere to your own faith, mm -hmm. and and it seems like the people that were holding on to their faith uh, suffered, uh, and and you have periods where you have persecution too, and this is what we see in the Maccabees, mm -hmm. um, uh, while the people that uh, were kind of working with occupiers or or leaving their uh, the faith of the ancestors uh, seemed to be prospering. Uh, and again, you, you see this sense of injustice. I mean, things are not right. Uh, mm. and, and you get a question about the theodicy, you know, uh, how God is, is doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, so this is uh, one reason I think that you, you get the resurrection uh, hope or the afterlife hope uh, is to solve this dilemma. Mm. That yes, you, you don't see the justice here and now, but, uh, but in the future, uh, at mm -hmm. one point, you will uh, have justice, mm -hmm. and you will be rewarded for your loyalty uh, to mm -hmm. the covenant. Mm -hmm. And so yes. it, it, yeah. 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 Okay. No, that, it makes perfect sense. And 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 so let's return to to what you were already aiming for. This 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 the importance of the uh, foreign interest and uh, the foreign influences. More mm -hmm. than that, we, we already mentioned the Greeks. And the Persians, the Egyptians, and and they obviously came out of of exile from Babylonia. So how important are these? You already mentioned that we we always talk about the Greeks, but that the Egyptians they they and, and we had a date with death on on, on Egyptian 
thinking of the afterlife. So we know already that they had an enormous, vastly uh, worked out uh, theory of the afterlife. But like you said, it, it kind of didn't uh, match the time or the correct time with, when there was this big influence between the Egyptians and the Jewish people. But then something changed in, in, in a certain way with, with, with Babylon. Yes, yeah, so again, uh, uh, when, you ha when you're facing a crisis, a crisis, crisis of faith, uh, you you still have to I shouldn't say rescue God, um, but you you still have to justify uh, God's existence and God's justice mm. uh, because there's a very strong idea in in the, in the Old Testament that God is just, God mm. is merciful and gracious, and and also that um, uh, God um, don't let people get away with things. Mm -hmm. um, and so he punishes the guilty. Mm. Uh, and so when when the world does not make sense, uh, you need to uh, start uh, viewing uh, God. Uh, go back to your text and 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 start to to find a solution to to the perceived problems. Mm. And so how do you explain the injustice that you see? How do you explain that God is not in charge? Uh, that you have foreign powers that are. Uh, ruling and deciding things in your life, uh, and and this is where we get uh, apocalyptic uh, literature, where you uh, kind of uh, see things more from God's perspective, or see what God is planning, and that God is still in charge, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't seem like that way to you um, or to your community. Mm. Uh, do you, if your expertise with with these texts, do you think that there's something more affine between the Greek and the Babylonian and the Jewish or and, and that was lacking in, in Egyptian texts? I, I think that when you find yourself in a crisis, uh, you, you're looking for uh, solutions and uh, and then the, the ideas that other people have around you will of course uh, be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's important to, to note that they're not blindly adapting Yes. Uh, the beliefs from uh, from Persian uh, religion or from uh, the Greek uh, philosophers, mm -hmm. uh, but you can see elements uh, of it in 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 the Jewish beliefs. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, uh, the when you have a closer look at it, they're, they're still trying to uh, base this belief on con connecting it to their own sacred texts. Yes, so it's still Jewish. very, very much Jewish. Yes, mm -hmm. in, you, you have uh, the, uh, in, during this period, you, you have a, uh, a focus on the mortality of the soul, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can easily focus on the soul in, in the Greek uh, philosophy, you know, and, and saying, oh, well, they just adopted it from, mm -hmm. uh, from the Greeks. But, but again, it's very different uh, to also combine this uh, immortality of the soul with their bodily resurrection. Yes, exactly. So the, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. body is not viewed in Judaism as something bad. Mm -hmm. The physical is not bad. Whereas uh, in Greece, it is. But in, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, so again, yes, yes. Uh, you have elements that are similar, but it's not the same. Yes, yes. yes, uh, yes. And so it's important to. So, so of course, it could be the catalyst. It could uh, be something that they're exposed to. But, mm -hmm. but he said these uh, are still brought back to their own uh, ancient texts. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And and you 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 start getting their own creation out of it, so to say. Mm.
Yeah, you have to be able to really uh, pickpocket in a certain sense the ideas and see what came from where, what certainly did not come from where, and, and how did they uh, manage all these differences and, and the various influences. Because insisting too much on the influences from abroad is then also taking it too far. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now, uh, one of the great lessons of these uh, various visions and organizations of the afterlife, and, and uh, this will come back also in the future development of the ideas that involve the afterlife in Judaism and Christianity, but one can say that the totality of these texts is that mm -hmm. they show the enormous importance and force of interpretation. That is, yes. of interpretation, of usage, of reusage, and of understanding of other text material. In a certain sense, I, I think they're a really good example of what one can call the op operativity of a living tradition, which also, yes. also implies treason in a certain sense. Now, all these texts anchored themselves, like we already, like we already just mentioned, they anchored themselves to texts of the canon, of the uh, ancient testament canon, and use and interpret them in a variety of ways. Can you say something about the importance of this aspect of interpretation, of this usage, of this reusage, and of this understanding of undertextual material? Yeah, it, it, again, of course, we, we had to speculate a bit, you know, but um, uh, when you have a question that yes. uh, arrives to you, you, you have to try to find an answer to it. Uh, mm. And then you go to the text that you view as authoritative. Uh, and try mm. to find an answer. So, like the the most basic question, of course, is: Do you have an afterlife, a personal afterlife? Mm. Uh, and you have two two possibilities there: yes or no. Okay. Mm. Uh, so, if you don't believe in an afterlife, then this life is all there is. Uh, and this mm. seems to be uh, the idea you have in Old Testament um, that uh, we don't really talk about what happened to you as an individual, but you have your memory, you have your offspring that will live on and be a part of the community. Uh, yeah. And that was satisfying to them. Uh, mm -hmm. And you see this uh, in, in the book of Sira, uh, second time period, you still have this voice mm -hmm. uh, that for some people, this was still a satisfying answer uh, or, or, cons or or like a, a view uh, that uh, you don't have a personal uh, es eschatological uh, future. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, this this life is all all there is. Mm -hmm. uh, but for most people, uh, this did not solve all the problems that mm -hmm. they experienced, and and so this is where you start having a hope in the afterlife. And then the question is, what is this afterlife? Um, and is it something that uh, that lives on after you die? And this is uh, where you, the the question about the soul. Do you have a soul, uh, or or when you die? You just have a body that uh, kind of dissolves into to dirt again, uh, and then you have uh, a, a future resurrection where you are brought back from uh, from the earth. Or do you have uh, something that uh, leaves your body and have some form of existence uh, while it's waiting for uh, a future resurrection? Mm. Uh, so that's another question. And again, you you have to go to your uh, your sacred text and, and try to find uh, an answer to that. <laughs> mm. uh, and then you have uh, the question about judgment. How do you evaluate uh, who will have an afterlife and who will not? Um, mm. Or do you have a difference between uh, good people and bad people? Or, or the ones that uh, follow the covenant and the ones that didn't? Mm. Uh, and so 
so you get a whole line. So as soon as you accept that there, you have an afterlife, you, you get a lot of other questions uh, that needs to be answered too. Who will, re mm -hmm. who will participate in this resurrection? Or mm -hmm. where do you go after you resurrect? Do you stay uh, on earth or do you go to a heavenly realm? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, and depending on where you go, you might need a different body. Uh, and so you have a lot of different factors uh, that um, mm. influences uh, your uh, resurrection belief. <laughs> mm. So yeah. each community can have a different answer to these question questions, and then you end up with a, a completely uh, different uh, belief at the end. Mm. And so this is why uh, in, in my study I found 18 complete views uh, mm -hmm. from uh, from death to uh, eternity, so to say, uh, but there were also uh, a lot of uh, partial views uh, in these texts, and mm. and these partial views that uh, I found did not seem to align perfectly with any of these eighteen complete uh, views. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, it seems like uh, they pretty much all have different views. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. But but again, it it has to do with the complexity of the of the issue that. Uh, if you have an afterlife, you, you, there's a lot of other questions that follows, uh, and and you have uh, different answers to those questions based on how you interpret uh, your your text, your sacred text. Mm. Yes, um, are are there and and just for information's sake, are there uh, some passages that that are preferred by uh, the the majority of of these visions, or is it a widespread choice and 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 picking as they desire? Or are there a couple of texts that, that are most uh, used in, in from the Old Testament to uh, interpret and re-understand this, this, this new belief? Yeah, so again, uh, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit interesting when you look at these texts because um, you, you have more of allusions uh, mm -hmm. to um, uh, their sacred texts uh, in, mm -hmm. in the way they write, you can see that oh, they must be having this text in mind, mm -hmm. uh, and so you don't have uh, in modern commentaries we like to give uh, textual reference, and so mm -hmm. you, you give the, the exact reference, and, and this is something <laughs> that we see in later rabbinic literature. Mm -hmm. uh, so in in the Mishnah and the Talmud, you uh, get an interest in proof text, so to say, yes. about the afterlife, but you don't mm. have proof texting in in this earlier text, uh, but it's more evolution to mm. um, to the story. So you, you can get uh, references to um, Daniel. Um, uh, you can get references to, like in, in the Enoch, and some mm -hmm. of the text there, you have a reference to, or allusion to the Cain and Abel story. Uh, where Abel's blood is crying out um, uh, for justice. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, this becomes a foundation for how they view the different categories of, of souls um, that will be dealt with in different ways uh, in uh, after you die, so to say. Uh, and so again, uh, there are some texts like Ezekiel 37, uh, became a, an important text uh, and academics, of course, uh, are, are recognizing that originally uh, Ezekiel's vision was meant 
in a national con context or mm -hmm. national way, but over time uh, it also started to take on a personal eschatological meaning. Mm. Uh, and we see this in in this literature as well, that uh, you you have some that is viewing it in one way uh, as, as national, another one as, as personal, uh, but then you also have texts that uh, present both interpretations, that is both mm. national and personal. Uh, so there are some texts that uh, appears or, or seems to be alluded to uh, more often than others. But uh, so in, in my books at the end, I, I have made a catalog of all of the, um, uh, the Old Testament texts, so to say, that uh, are alluded or referred to uh, in the context of the resurrection afterlife hope. Yeah, no, and it's 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 a it's it's a marvelous piece of research that you made there. So it's 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 really everybody can understand it, even people who don't know the Bible at all. It's 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 really a very nice, uh, a couple of very nice books that that you wrote. So, a, a final question in conclusion. I think you ask an, an an a very important question at the end of the second of uh, your volume dedicated to the afterlife in these uh, literary traditions, and that is the question about inspiration because if we find all these different views and all these constructions of the afterlife tradition then how can one say that they were inspired by the holy spirit or they were just inspired uh, can you say something more about this how can you combine all these uh, this enormous variety with the inspiration by one single divinity yeah again this is a very difficult question um and one that I did not answer in, in my books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wasted it at, uh, at the end. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very easy to um, to drown in the complexity, mm. uh, but there are a few things that all of these uh, afterlife and resurrection beliefs have in common. Mm. Uh, and, and one is that this life, uh, how you live this life matters. Mm. Uh, and it has a direct effect on what would happen to you in your future life or mm. after you die. So your, dest your ultimate destiny is decided uh, in, in the way that you live this, this current life. Mm. Uh, the other element is, of course, that God is just. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that God's justice will win out in the end, even though uh, it doesn't seem like that uh, in the current life. Mm. Uh, and so ultimately, uh, God will reward the righteous and he will punish the wicked. Mm. Uh, and so this is something that all of these uh, beliefs uh, share or have in common. Uh, but then you have uh, the complexity that is entered in. Uh, and mm. I think it has to do with how each community perceives what is justice. Mm. Okay. Uh, what does it take to, to show that God is just in the way that he uh, operates, or mm. or or how do we satisfy that uh, the reward is, is is given out and 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 how the punishment works out, and so uh, for for one community, uh, you can say that uh, you don't really have justice if uh, the wicked are not punished, mm. um, or or you, they need to be punished for all eternity. Otherwise, you don't have justice. Okay? Mm. And so you do have texts that uh, have an uh, internal punishment, mm. uh, but then you have other texts that uh, you have uh, destruction of the wicked. Uh, so you have a limit, uh, a limit to 
the punishment. Mm. Uh, and then you have other texts that don't have a resurrection of the wicked at all. It's only the righteous that gets the reward. Mm. Uh, but again, it, I think it uh, plays into how the, the, the community uh, describes uh, what justice is. Or, mm. or, but for each of the community, uh, this is how their justice is, is satisfied. Mm. <laughs> or their view of God is satisfied. Uh, mm. so, you, so again, uh, inspiration. Uh, I mean, there are the core elements. You can you can say that yes, this is uh, a part of of the, the Jewish Christian tradition. This is um, that God is just, righteous. Mm -hmm. uh, he he rewards and he punishes, uh, and this is uh, from the very early uh, parts of of the Old Testament to and goes into uh, New Testament rabbinic uh, time, mm -hmm. and so this is the constant. But how this is described and how this is satisfied uh, seems to uh, have different, um, mm. uh, yeah, meanings or, or yeah. like um, how it but looks like. It, yeah. it shows that 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 man on and on the other hand of the inspirational uh, content also uh, takes his uh, quite amount of interpretation. And again, this brings us to the question before: <laughs> there is interpretation yes. with inspiration always involved. It, it's yes. not a, a passive. Uh, acceptance that that is at, at stake. And, and for me, this uh, goes into uh, the concept of continuity and change. Mm -hmm. uh, for a community, something or a community has to uh, continue; otherwise, mm -hmm. it will disappear. Your your community will dissolve. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, it also has a need to change over time mm. uh, to stay relevant. Because yeah. if the community is unable or incapable of change, then it becomes irrelevant and it also disappears. So you can keep the balance between uh, what continues, what, what's the core element mm. that uh, is important that continues, and, and what elements are changing to keep it relevant for uh, the future uh, uh, members or the future believers of the community. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and so I think that what we see here in, in the secular period too is an example of that. Mm. That they are holding on to their faith in God, uh, God's justice, and that uh, he's the only one that should be worshipped. Mm. Um, but uh, you also need to change mm. uh, in order to hold on to this faith. Because mm. you, the, the whole world around you is changing. Mm -mm. Uh, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I, I I always remember in, in, in a context like this, uh, something that I was taught uh, many, many years ago, that this this uh, the root of, of the word uh, tradition is shared with the word treason and is shared with the word translation. So in a certain sense, the, tra the, the, the tradition has to be translated. And in order to be translated to modern time, you have to betray it in a certain way. And, yeah. and it's only by this betrayal, obviously betrayal here, it should not be in, considered in the uh, negative or exclusive negative way that generally it is understood. But only by betraying can the tradition actually continue. Yes. And, and, yes. and, and, and it needs to be translated. So yes. So thank you very much uh, for this, Jan. Thanks for this extremely uh, informative and very pleasant talk as well. Uh, thanks also to our listeners for having joined me once again for this new episode of Dates with Death. And dear listeners, if you like our work here at PIC, you can now also consider 
or you can still consider supporting us by becoming an active member of our institution. For more information about how to join PIC, please visit our website. Uh, thanks again, Jan, and my name is Christoph van Houten, and goodbye. Thank you.